I am woefully behind in releasing the various panels that I've recorded over the last few years. In an effort to get on track, we have for you a panel recorded at the Rincon Gaming Convention in 2018 called Inclusivity in Gaming. For some reason, this causes some consternation in certain circles of the gaming community, which I have to say is quite baffling to me. Unfortunately, it's a deeper issue than just having different people than yourself at the gaming table, as our panelists will discuss. Before we jump into the panel, I do want to mention, however, that we are currently running a giveaway sponsored by our friends over at Deep Dark Designs. They have graciously provided a copy of Legendary Adventures Harrowing Heights. It's a D&D 5e adventure spanning levels 1 through 5. It features the humble kobold as the main adversary in much the same way that Paizo used goblins in the Rise of the Rune Lords adventure path. Head on over to legendsoftabletop.com for more information. Test, test, one, two. Hello, please stay for the most exciting panel of RenCon. <laughs> Diversity in games, let's all be sad together. <laughs> let's all talk about, you know, problems. Everyone wants to do that. Uh, no. <laughs> we want to talk about solutions. Yes, solutions. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, solutions. Solution. Yes, yes. Uh, positive thinking, not not a stitching bitch. You're right. <laughs> this is, this is, if, you, if you're listening, if you're wanting, coming to this panel and hoping for lots of horror stories and people complaining about bad things that have happened, that's not what we're about. We're going to try to not dissolve into that. <laughs> we're going to try to not dissolve into that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I'm Karen. I am the Rincon chair, and also I'm hosting this panel. Um, it is my deep pleasure and honor to be sitting at the table with all of these phenomenal human beings here. Um, this, this panel is very close to my heart, very near and dear to me. Um, diversity, inclusivity, these are things that RinCon really tries to walk the walk, talk the talk, and build the community on. So I'm, I'm really happy to have you guys here. Thank you. So um, I'm going to let each of the folks up here introduce themselves. Again, I'm Karen, I'm RinCon chair, and I kind of do all kinds of gaming. <laughs> I'm Jamal Majay Brown. I'm a freelance uh, game writer, and I'm bad at microphones. <laughs> Usually, my voice is just enough. It's dynamic, so the closer it is, the better it works. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I'm a freelance game writer. Uh, I live at a lot of different conventions, so you probably have seen me at some. We probably play games together. Uh, that's that's what I do. That's what I like to do. So. Hi, I'm Camden Wright. Um, I write weird games that make people cry. <laughs> I write for Gnome Stew as well, and I'm uh, just happy to be here. I'm Jamie Kearns, and I head up Do Better Gaming. We are focused on bringing more diversity and inclusivity into gaming by doing small, very specialized events for uh, women, minorities, anybody who's been marginalized, autistic youth, and people with disabilities. Hello, my name is Erin Lee Escobedo. I've been a tabletop gamer for 20 years now. Uh, I worked as a media adjunct with Sealy Studios Pulp Gamer Media for five years, and I am now a published board game designer. My first design actually came out this week. It's called Meltwater. Congratulations. Aw, thank you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Meeple Lady. Um, I write about board games and I'm a rulebook editor. I'm also a podcaster. I just joined um, the Five by Games. Nice. All right. All right. I guess we have to pass that. Yeah, I oh, think there are two. <laughs> there are two. Okay. All right. So, um, just to give a little, a little bit of kind of framework for what we're going to be talking about, I was thinking that it would be worthwhile to think about, as, as a whole, as tabletop gaming um, in general, a little bit lo of look of, at where we've been, what has gone before, um, and then from there move to 
interesting things that are happening right now. So if people have projects that they'd like to share, I mean, your 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 brand new things is really kind of cool. Um, but things that you've experienced recently, things that you've seen, heard about, that kind of thing, and then move it into where are we going from here? What are the things that are kind of on the horizon? What are the threads that we would like to pull as a community? How would we like to weave it together into something that is a more cohesive whole? Okay? So, um, actually, why don't we just go ahead? Um, does anybody have anything to contribute in terms of like where we've been? Things that, things that, things, um, Things that have happened in the past or kind of leading up to where we are now. And if anyone can jump in. You guys got something? No. Swing in this. Yeah, I don't. Uh, is it a question? Do we, oh. question? we have a question <laughs> in the back. <laughs> if you want to think about the progress we've made, uh, like just go on the internet and like. Google like Larry Elmore illustrations from the 80s. <laughs> and then, like turn to, I don't know what page number is, but it's the Human's Entry, the fifth edition player's handbook. The picture for the entry under humans in the race chapter. And that like gives you a pretty good idea. It's like Larry Elmore, white chain white women in chainmail bikinis. <laughs> that picture in the fifth 5e player's handbook brown-skinned woman wearing full body armor that actually covers the way armor should. <laughs> and it is clear that she is learning some kind of scholar, is intelligent and can solve problems with her mind. And it's, to me, it's like, that's progress, more needs to be made. And even just from my own perspective, that's white male, heterosis, gender, Terrible. I want to hear other people's perspectives and not be terrible. <laughs> well, one of the interesting things, though, is that when we think of sci-fi fantasy, you know, in the 80s and before, uh, we have this mythologizing that it's always been this white male thing, when really, when you look back at the history of gaming, of the history of, of fandom in general, the first Star Trek conventions were organized by women, were organized by uh, slash fic writers, primarily, uh, in women's houses, where they would invite the actors when they were, you know, nobody's on a bitrate start, and the Star Trek thing was a bitrate TV show that Lucille Ball had to save personally. Uh, the earliest video game programmers, the earliest programmers were women, because that was make work to give that NASA handed down, NASA and other companies handed down to women and then they started making games. That's where the Sierra Adventure Game Studio started, was started by a woman whose name literally just left my tongue because I'm, <laughs> because tip of the tongue phenomenon makes you want to strangle things. But uh, so much of our history is actually led by women, led by marginalized people and then suddenly we've created this myth that oh it's always just been the white boys club. And I feel like one of the parts of going forward is also going back and saying, no, this hasn't always been this hegemony that we're just now breaking. It was always diverse. It's just who was writing the books, who was who was recording what was happening. So uh, here's where I am. Uh, I, I'm an old guy. Um, I went to Gen Con this past year, and uh, Magpie folks had a... Uh, their own kind of breakout area where they ran uh, games. And that year, this past year, was the first time I actually got to see a big diverse mix in one room playing a bunch of different games. Um, that year, oh no! <laughs> uh, death, I'm death to the heretic! <laughs> this past year I've had, I ran Urban Shadows for them. Um, there were, uh, black girls at my table, this is important, uh, a Hispanic guy, uh, I'm a black dude, right? That is the most amount of minority folks at a table that I've ever played with in my life. I'm 47. Um, I would say over the past three years, I've never had any other black person at my table uh, playing games. Uh, so for me, and, uh, and I've been playing since eighth grade, um, for me, uh, that's, that's a measure of progress for me. It's slow. Uh, but uh, this past year I was super happy because in that one particular room there was a big spread of age uh, and genders uh, in there and color in there. And 
So that's, I mean, when we talk about it, that's my perspective. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for more of that. That's where I'm at. I think if we get more of that, the books and everything else will change with that, because that's capitalism, right? They yep. won't sell where the people are. I don't think it's the other way around. So that's just me. Absolutely. Okay, um, I've been writing about board games for a couple of years and just seeing that change um, in the last couple of years of seeing content creators who are women, people of color. Um, I'm an Asian, I'm an Asian American woman and that is, there are not that too many of us um, in, I feel like, in this board game world. We don't have that history of like growing up playing Dungeons and Dragons and everything. So everything to me has been completely new. Um, and then I play a lot of war games. So I totally, totally stick out in a group of war gamers. But um, a lot of women have come up to me like recently, oh, they'll say, Oh, I see that you're doing this. Like, that's cool. And I think visibility is a really big um, aspect of board gaming and in boosting um, inclusivity and saying, hey, that person can play board games or that person can write about board games or podcast about board games. And I think that's really cool that I've seen in the past few years, I guess. Definitely. Uh, so. Um, I am slightly older, I'm 48, um, for a little while longer, um, but I've been board gaming, or uh, playing RPGs since I was in high school, and um, when I look back at the time when I was a kid, um, I was, I, I remember being asked, I'm a biracial man, and I remember being asked to leave a group because they didn't believe in race mixing. Um, Fast forward to today, and, um, and earlier this yeah, uh, earlier this year, I put up uh, a thing on Twitter um, that you know sometimes I feel really isolated, being biracial and all the different things that that means. I had six people track me down at Gen Con in the middle of seventy thousand people, pick me out of a crowd, and say you made me feel less alone. And we had those conversations, and we hugged, and, you know. And I think that, once again, going back to that same thing, that visibility and being out there and that being okay. What? I want a, I want a mic. <laughs> and we need to water that tree. Yes. Whatever it takes to make that behavior what sticks out in people's minds rather than the one stinky comment you got on Twitter. Yeah. That, that kind of thing <laughs> is what we need to grow as a community, is that building, we, we build each other up. We, we promote each other's products. We talk about each other. We cross, we, we, we cross promote on each other's streams, that, that kind of thing. That's what, to me, is, is, is beautiful. It's just amazing. And it's something we need to do more in the industry as well. And, you know, we've had some, you know, trailblazers coming through lately. Uh, uh, we've had, you know, uh, one of the most highly paid game, uh, traditional game designers in the industry right now is Eric Lang, uh, creator of Chaos in the Old World. He's the current head of Cool, uh, of cool Mini or Not. Uh, he, you know, uh, and he has been actively, he has stated that part of his mission statement as the head of uh, Cool Mini or Not is to hire more uh, diverse for diverse creators into that company. We've also seen a lot of independent trailblazers uh, boarding uh, in the war game scene. Almost every war gamer who's hard in the hobby knows who Rachel Simmons is, one of the first trans women to really step forward and say, "No, this is me. I'm not going to let who I am interfere with. I'm not going to hide who I am to save my business." Uh, Alexis Jansen in the Magic: The Gathering team a few years back. Uh, it was a huge deal when she was hired as the. Uh, uh, winner of the great designer search and uh, she was she is a transgender woman uh, and that has honestly been the thing that's allowed people like me to come into this industry if you can if you know if I've managed to if I've managed to deceive you all, <laughs> I roll. Uh, I am a transgender woman. I've been, uh, I began my transition nine years ago, and uh, it's only because of, you know, us specifically boosting these voices that, you know, we get there. The problem is, is that it's very easy to hire people who you already know. And honestly, if you're a white dude, most of the people you know are 
general most people you know like as you know your best buddy who you're gonna totally get a job for are gonna be other white dudes and you kind of have to like make a conscious effort like by and like and like the, by no like intention but you have to make a conscious effort to go outside and say no no I need to reach a little further past and that's something we need to do as an industry Absolutely. Oh, okay. So just to that, to that point, and I'm going back to what uh, Magic said about how uh, it's, it's, it's the other way around as well, because the, um, the industry goes to where the gamers are, right? and that's who the games for. So um, I, 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 it's like, Maybe it's kind of a chicken and egg situation. But like, <laughs> do, does, is it the depictions of people and like uh, you know raising the those people raising their voices in the industry and uh, changing things and, and kind of modeling uh, for for others? So I know you can do this, or like you know seeing the the you know even even white guys saying like oh maybe we should not have entirely white people uh, in the illustrations, but you know include some diversity in there. Uh, so I also have a software company and I come from a financial data processing background. So I've worked, uh, I don't know, 20, 25 years with, uh, in finance and data processing and with marketing companies. In Kansas City, there's a company called VML. And I remember I worked on, uh, it was Indiana Jones movie with the alien heads. We did a marketing campaign for that. And, uh, so some of the, those folks came in, some of the VML folks came in. And this is the thing I remember that stuck out uh, still today in my head. That's a real thing. They had their top CEO manager folks in, and they were talking about who the audiences were. And VML, one of the heads of VML said, there's only two audiences in the world, in America, at this time, that matter. The number one audience that we care about, and this is capitalism, right? So this happened in a meeting. Um, he said the number one audience is preteen girls because they have moms and dads with disposable income, and they have metrics, right? They have numbers that say they spend X amount of dollars, and that's a target we want, right? We want to go after those dollars. The number two is white males, uh, 16 to 35, if I remember correctly. Again, that's where the money is, right? And again, this is capitalism. Um, so I feel, I'm not saying I'm right, and I'm not saying I'm the absolute truth, but I'm sitting in an organization that makes, I don't know, multi-million dollars or whatever, and the two guys that run the place, these are the two audiences they're after. And I will say, uh, I did at one point, uh, I was at one point working for a company uh, in this industry. Uh, I will not name names, but one of the advertisements we were asked to run was for getting, it was, you know, an in gather investors advertisement. And one of the things that we had to say with our actual mouths and which horrified us all was, and we're going to target your most valuable demographic, 18 to 35 year old males. And everyone in that room just wanted to strangle something. But, you know, that's, so just corroboration. And I believe. Oh. I, I guess, so my, my question is then, like, where's the, where's the responsibility? Obviously, both people, like, both sides are responsible for this. But can, can, is, it, is it really possible for the market or, for, you know, five people, women who want a game to, like, generate those numbers, right, and convince people, like, no, we are your top target demographic. Yes. Or is it, or is it incumbent on the companies to, to reach out to those those new markets, right? Yes. So I would say, who's seen Black Panther? Yeah. That's well, see, I was, I was going to go with okay. that to uh, crazy. Follow-up question, who got goosebumps? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's or, yeah, or yeah, I was going to. Absolutely. Can I take it back real quick? Like, I think this is a. a I think that your answer is both. Yes. Um, the answer like, is yes. I applaud Karen. I model. I, I model a lot of what I do out of what, what Rincon does, um, and I believe that as somebody who runs an event and Karen can back me up on this, you have to build it so they will come. Right. You have to be almost militant about it. Where it's like, I am going to do this, knowing that I'm going to turn some people away because they're going to not like it, and. This is kind of like my attitude, and I'm, I'm kind of an asshole about things. I'm like, fuck it. We never had them anyway. They're, they're going to go away anyway, and I'm going to build something <laughs> where I want the representation that I want to see, right, yeah. regardless 
of the system. I, I am trusting that it's going to succeed. And right. so I have people like Jay, yeah. I have people laid out. Because those are the things that are important. And if I lose other people because of this, I don't care. Yeah, you have, well, to have that faith that if you build it, they will come, right? Well, we'll go ahead and come back to you guys. Let's go ahead. Well, no, I'm just going to add to this. Like, let's take it out in movies like Crazy Rich Asians. Like, look how much money that movie's right. made right. for a movie. Um, you know, people would say like, oh, um, a regular rom-com instead of like these stereotypical like Asian characters on film. Um, so I think we or people, people want to support um, people who Good people want to support um, projects and games and companies who believe in this type of thing. So it is 50-50, like, if you see, um, like, a female designer, like, um, publishing a game, it's like, well, I want to play that game. I want to support it. I want to, um, you know, spread the word and, like, the love of that. Yes. yes. And then also, back to the other thing, I think, with, like, companies um, just sort of hiring Diverse people is a really big deal um, because then you'll see that person was involved in the process and things don't fall behind the cracks, you know, of just like, oh, the, let's just slap some Asian font on this game and call it, you know, yeah. So that's a really big important thing. So yeah, the answer is both. It has to come from both sides. It has to come from the company seeing that there's a movement, but the movement has to happen. And the number one target for us as a movement is white males. It is making them see and having them have that little, that little paradigm shift to see that, oh, okay, I have to be inclusive. I have to want this for it to change. And there are men that, unfortunately, are gonna spoil the whole batch. And that's what I tell people all the time. It only takes one bad apple to spoil the whole batch. And those are the people that we want to target to change their minds and let them see that there's more to gaming than cis white males over 25. I, I do see that point. I actually disagree with it slightly. Really? Okay. In that I don't believe, and this is perhaps a bit more radical rhetoric. People who know me and follow me on my on my game design blog also know I'm a little bit I'm a little bit radical on these things. But at some point, there is also an importance of, of getting each of getting each other on board and unified, because a big part of that is making sure that I don't like the idea of it of the power being in the hand the power there being in the hands of the white men to decide we're worth it. We could always just make if they decide we're not worth it, we can make them irrelevant. Right. No, you're absolutely right. No, it has to come from both sides though is what I'm saying. It has to be everybody at once. It has to be us saying, okay, we're here. This is what we're doing and this is what our plan is and you're going to let us game. That's not your choice. We're going to gonna infiltrate your games. We're going to infiltrate your cons. We're going to infiltrate all these we different things. Among here we go. <laughs> Prepare yourselves. <laughs> but it also has to be kind of a watershed moment within the whole community to see that, okay, it's not just us anymore. And most, most people are super on board with it. I tell people what I do and they're like, that's awesome. Every once in a while you get the guy who's like, not so into it. But they don't matter anymore. And that's what's becoming the really big shift in the community is that it is most people are like, yes, let's bring more people in. That's what a lot of people don't get about fandoms in general is you want to bring new people in. You, that's the way you get new content, that's the way you get new things, and that's the way you get more people to play with or to do things with. And so I, I think, yeah, ultimately the answer is is everybody's got to be included and every it's got to come from all angles. Questions? Yes, absolutely. Um, so from a purely math point of view, um, I recently did the research for this because that's who I am. Um, about uh, right now, we are at the lowest point in the United States history uh, as a as a nation uh, of people who identify as non-Latino whites. So the split right now is about 60-40. Um, of that, about half of the population in the United States, about 50 to 51 percent, depending on where you are, are uh, identify as women. So. If you look at it, we're saying that 30%, roughly 30% of the population is the majority. And numerically, that's just not true. Yeah. I mean, that's simple math. You can say whatever you want. And I mean, there's power imbalances and there's a lot of other things that go into it. But 30% is not the majority of this country. Okay. 
did we actually want to get yeah. to this guy's question? <laughs> he's, he's had his hand yeah. up for like five hours. Yeah, so I, I, if you know me for a while, um, which most of you haven't, I, you know, I've, been, I've been complaining about you know capitalists doing dumb things for like 50 years. <laughs> and I, and it's almost I, like capitalism is the most efficient system. <laughs> marketing to these two demographics. Right. It's like, well, that seems incredibly dumb to me. Because there's all this extra money to be made, even if they're not the number one and number two demographics. Right. Right. Why leave out the number three, four, five, six? Well, why do they doubt that 30%? So does that happen because... That will be other sentence. So there's an answer to that. Does, does that happen because it, they can't... They can't fit it into a five-minute PowerPoint presentation. No, or is it, is it just blanketing the races? No, it's, no, it's, it's not, who's in it's charge. No, it's not that at all. So, and I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean to. Okay, sorry. Uh, so this is a little more complex, right? That's a nice top thing right, happening right there. I was just talking this afternoon about uh, Marvel, uh, and even as simple as that. I have a software company. We do stuff for nonprofits, mostly social service stuff, uh, domestic violence, all those kinds of things, right? The money there for me uh, and other vendors like me is less than half a million dollars a year gross, right? I'm not worried about Microsoft ever coming down here to where I am, <laughs> taking over anything, because the, the margin for them is greater, right? Half a million is not enough, right, for them to come down here and do any of this stuff. So for VML, right, they target those two audiences, right, because that's where the, that's the bottom and up for them, for them is what they need. That other 30%, might not be enough for them to be interested in, right? Um, there's a story, if you know Cam Banks, right, how they lost the Marvel Heroic license, is that Disney bought up Marvel stuff, and then the price for that license went up. They wanted a million dollars. And if you know anything, um, most of our games, right, we don't gross a million dollars, right? Um, for, Mar uh, for Disney, it was not worth having a role-playing game if you can't give me a, a million dollars for this license. So a lot of this is more than just that's not enough of it, or it's that, that breakout of it. Follow the money. Statistics and math shape a lot of things that, that are decided at, the, at those levels. Yeah, it's, it just seems boggling to me that there would be a minimum of a million dollars anywhere. You know, why not hire some college student to make one ad that goes for such and such and so and so to just hit some tiny bit of the target? Because there aren't something. unlimited resources right. for these Right. Right, and that they they have to they have to play do their own optimization algorithm about what 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 they think is best for them. Right. Whereas, I guess they're just narrow they're very narrowly defining what is best for them. Right. And their their definition of best for them is only financial. Whereas we're looking at a much bigger picture. Right. We're looking at a much much bigger than, picture than dollars. Rincon's a nonprofit. Rincon will never be anything but a nonprofit. And that's, so if we were a corporate entity, we would be going after dollars right. and bottom line right. and corporate sponsors and all that kind of thing. That's, I mean, that's a decision that, a, that an, any kind of entity makes. Right. And are, are we going to go for the money or are we going to go for what we are passionate about, what we think is the right thing to do at, at, at a level somewhat larger than but I think what we're all saying is if we bring that market, they have to change because those numbers change. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So um, I guess, if, 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 did you have if something else you wanted to say? I was just going to say, and then, you know, oftentimes I'll hear the counterpoint, well, companies have to optimize their money to the, mo to the most thing, and at a certain point it's like, if they wanted to do that, they should be running a diamond cartel if they want to make the most money for the most optimal nonsense, why are you not doing, why are you not going even further with the human rights abuses? Why aren't you doing something completely monstrous? Well, that's not ethical. Yeah, neither is the thing you're doing now, genius. <laughs> okay, so we, so we might, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, well, on top of bringing in people, uh, I think in all ways, it's also just as important to uh, sort of push out those who are actively toxic to the community. Um, you see that, like, like um, in the run-up to Rincon, there, there was a game that, that was set to be run that, that uh, felt, felt pretty over the line for me, very, that uh, felt very much uh, like was normalizing a lot of toxic stuff in terms of community, so I sent, I sent in um, an email, uh, and, it, and it was taken down, um, you know, how the response. Right. Right. The and um, so I'm actually the one who was answering those emails. The words that the, the words that made it not okay were it makes me feel unsafe. 
that that to me, I'm sorry, I, I cannot run an event where somebody in any way, shape, or form feels unsafe in the environment that we're trying to create. That's that's this is not okay. <laughs> so um, that what I wanted to do is now think about okay, so we've identified the problem or at least a set of problems. What do what what are some concrete steps that you've seen people taking? To, to make it better, to move in the right direction? What are, what are, are, does anybody have any specific things that they'd like to, to talk about that they've seen or done lately? Okay, I think there's... Mm -hmm. okay. Okay. Do you want this? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, just what you had mentioned, um, taking that action when a game makes someone feel unsafe, having those um, policies in place at conventions of um, you know, no harassment, um, and if you do experience harassment, who to report it to and something to get done about it. It's convention season, like you hear stories on Twitter all the time about harassment and just like plain awfulness that happens at certain places. And it's great when I see other events and conventions stepping up um, policy, um, policing of that and um, making everyone feel inclusive. So I do specialized events. Um, right now we're focusing mainly on women. And it started as, okay, well, I would like to bring more women into this. Well, as I started to kind of pull people in, mostly online through nerd groups, what I got a lot of was, I've always wanted to learn how to play, but I was so intimidated. And as I started to run these little games, and I run anywhere from four to six players at a time, and I do, a one-shot that teaches the basics of Dungeons and Dragons. And so it's really just kind of a, it's really a gateway drug, if we're being honest. <laughs> <laughs> so I create the players and then I send them all to your cons. <laughs> um, but what I noticed as I started to run my games was that my table is almost always less than 50% white. And I was really excited to have that happen because if I can pull in minority women they will pull in minority men. And then we can really kind of change the landscape. And by doing the small specialized event, we create long-term players, people who want to play and feel like they have a really solid base. And then once they leave that room, then they're more likely to pursue something in gaming. And that's a great thing we can do. I do want to head back to the the thing she just said because this is the one thing like all y'all all y'all white dudes in the audience, <laughs> uh, white cis straight able body blah 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 blah. Uh, this is the part where we'd actually like to enlist your help because you know in your groups, in your businesses, in your things like that. If I want, if I am in a company in a profit focused company, and I'm the one who raises my hand and says this is a problem. I am more likely to get fired than one of you raising your hand and saying this is a problem because I'm already kind of, it, by, the, by the top capitalist lizards, I'm already viewed as kind of a risk in the first place. And if I'm rocking, because, you know, what if I drive away customers? I've actually had to have that talk before uh, that I was, you know, they, you know, they don't want me dealing with the customers because I might weird them out. So you, Jesus. so I, yeah, no, it's it's a thing. People are, you know, it's I've had to have I've had people say, you know, well, we don't want to squick them out with the trans people. Uh, so that's honestly where you guys need to come in, and you have more room to make noise. Could you please make some noise for us? Because you're at less risk for doing it. Yeah, sure. I um, I'm, I make games about empathy. When I say I make weird games that make people cry, it's, it's a joke, but it's not a joke, too. Um, but the people that I work with, if you look uh, in the credits of the book, um, the people that are there are talented without any compromise. And they are also um, reflective of the diversity and richness that this world has to offer. And I don't think, a lot of times, um, it's presented as those two things are mutually exclusive, that you have to somehow, you know, reaching out to somebody who uh, is whatever marginalized group, you're somehow taking a step down. And um, I, I find that absolutely ridiculous. Um, and so making those purposeful choices, everyone making those purposeful choices, um, is an important thing to do. I do it because it's important to me because that's who I am as well. Um, but, and I think that uh, the reason that I make games about feelings and about empathy is 
it's a lot harder to to kind of ignore even in a, in a, in a game an RPG. It's a lot harder to ignore the reality of a character's humanity if you're emotionally attached to them. Uh, whether that is the players or player characters or your NPCs. Um, so the more real and connected I can make the, the games that I, that I create, uh, the better. And the better I think that that empathy kind of washes out into the world around it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to follow any of that up. Uh, I'm from Kansas City, so back home, I, uh, I try to eat my own dog food. I, I try to stay visible. I try to run games. I think that's the thing I'm, I'm good at. And so I organize game days back home. Um, I was in the military, so a friend of mine um, has a game store. And because of that relationship we have, uh, he will give me game store space. And the both of us will uh, organize game days out there. We started doing stuff for young people. Uh, my thought is if I can start uh, influencing young people, uh, I mean, it'll just keep going. And so we have, uh, I'll have a game day on Saturday, adults come out, they play stuff. Then we have like a young people day on Sunday, and some of the same uh, game masters will come out on Sunday. And if you're, I think it's 17 to 10, uh, you come on out and we'll play games. We'll get you in games, they're uh, kid-friendly games. Uh, some of them are, uh, are I, like if we're doing D&D, &D, we want to get in with the parents so they understand what they're getting a kid into. <laughs> Satanism and drugs. Has, <laughs> my friend has a lot of credit in that his store's been around over 20 years, and he uh, builds it on it being family-friendly. Uh, and so he's got uh, conduct, uh, code of conduct, standards, things like that. Uh, but for the most part, back home, I just try to be visible. I try to go to safe spaces so folks will, uh, I'm on the internet, so folks that see me, they know I'm at a particular con, they know if I'm there, I think it's safe, and they'll, they'll show up, and that's all I can keep doing. And I think that um, the, the point that you bring up right now about kind of raising, as a community, raising the next generation of gamers in the right kind of mindset is a really important thing, because right now, I will tell you, Tweeners and teeners right now, they they just don't care about some of the things that mattered when I was growing up. They just don't care. They don't care what color your skin is. They don't care if you're gay. They don't care. I mean, they just don't care in the same way that it, that that some of us felt that when we were growing up. And if we can foster that, that's that's gonna that that they're they're a tide coming up behind us. That that is that is that is definitely again. That's a tree that we need to water. That that's and that this is this is just my personal thing because I really enjoy working with kids, but it it's it can be powerful. It can be amazingly powerful just watching these kids blossom into really great gamers and really accepting human beings. They are creating new and cutting edge genders every day. <laughs> it's amazing. So, All right. I've got these thoughts, and I'm curious. Um, what other people's thoughts would be on, on, on this sort of line of thinking? This is something that I think about a lot lately is, um, like Karen was saying, kids don't care. It's not a thing for them. Like any of the things that are issues for any of us are not a, it's just societally, it's not a thing for them. However, the game space, and it's a lot about power dynamics of like, we talk about being visible and doing all these things because there is an element, you know, that's what I term the old Ragnars, right? Like there is an element out there that that everything that is a societal norm for any of us, I think anybody just like being in this room, um, exudes, they're against and they're they're almost violently against it. Like they cut it down every chance they get, they try and push it out, they try and sort of push their their ways of thinking about things into the space and, and by demeaning sort of like the other work that people do. And so what I mean by that is like, you know. Uh, Why can't we go back to the old days before black yeah, people and women yeah. were invented? Yeah. God. <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, making fun of gender or you know, any of these things. Mm -hmm. And they're going to fight back um, against it, right? And, and a lot of it is people might, right? There's mm -hmm. a lot of people sort of parties, like right in our, in our mid 40s. Yeah, mid 40s. <laughs> um, 
but at the same time, it's kind of a waiting game. Like we just have to sort of wait, right? Like as long as we wait, like we're all gonna die off before they do. Like we just sort of have to like, maintain that bond. <laughs> <laughs> right? In theory. We just gotta sort of hold that line back from them. And then like, I think after sort of like that Gen X sort of mark, you're gonna see this sort of shift where these are not issues. Right? Like everyone here is, is 40s or 30s, right? And there's no 20 year olds up here. Why? Because they don't care. This is not a thing for them. So is it so is it almost like I guess what's your what's your guys' take on this shifting of power dynamics between generations and what's societally acceptable? Like is is this is this thing not gonna exist ten years from now? There's not gonna be this panel. I actually I think there will be. I think the, the, unfortunately the, I think there will be more than ten years. <laughs> the, the thing is is that we all like, you know, there is there is hope in the next generation. I do not want to, you know, the next generation. Everyone has thus far has said the words "don't care," and I think that's actually selling the next generation short. A lot of them care a lot, yes. so much. If you see them on the platforms where the where the youngins and the kidlings congregate, like Tumblr, it's they care a lot. They are active. It's not that what's a racism. It's they know what it is and they friggin' hate it. But at the same time, that's partly because we've been putting out the message and they've been taking it in, and we can't. You know, there can never be sitting on laurels that the next generation will replace because that mistakes pro and I hate to be a downer that mistakes progress as a continuous historical line because there have been fallback points where the next generation failed us or rather we failed the next generation or people failed the next generation because 1920s Berlin uh, was about to recognize transgender uh, individuals as legal. The Institute der Sexuelle Wissenschaft, uh, the Institute of Sexual Knowledge, uh, was was doing massive studies on gender reassignment surgery, legal processes, all these things in Europe. The Institute for Sexual Wissenschaft was one of the thir first things the Nazis burned. We came so close in the 20s, and then there was a backlash. At, while we can't, while we have faith in the next generation, we have to keep fighting for the next generation. We can't stop, or else someone else will talk to them. And unfortunately, people who believe certain institutes should be burned and certain people should be burned are on the rise again, and that's depressing. And we have to fight that. Question of that? Oh, I've, I've got something oh, to say first. Um, so I, um, well, I agree that there has been a huge shift and younger people, people in their 20s and younger, I think that it is irresponsible to, to treat it like it is this magical thing that is gone. Uh, as a father of two kids, um, I've certainly watched uh, my own children be targeted for the most ridiculous things. It is not as prevalent and it is not as supported by school administration and some things like that that it has in the past. But to say that it is gone, I think is irresponsible. And something we should note is that the people we hate are targeting those kids too. Mm -hmm. uh, there has been big news about the front that, you know, young people are on Tumblr. They're also on 4chan and Stormfront recruits on 4chan and uh, other places of the internet, white supremacists, uh, uh, you know, um, male, you know, women exclusionists, red pillars have been trying to recruit the kids and trying to use, and so, you know, the fight is not, the fight is not winning itself. We have to win it. We <laughs> <laughs> can't wait for the Crotten Arts to die because they have their own vessels to help recruit members of the next generation. And they are going to give them the wealth and power they've been hoarding to you know, bludgeon people the way they have in the past. Right. So, we have to be proactive. Right, right. So what do we do? What do we do? What, 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 are, what are the steps that we take? What, what, what are the... Um, the large things, the small things, the systemic things, the personal things, I mean, creating spaces that are known as safe spaces, doing things that are known for building empathy, doing things that are known for building, for reaching out to, to underrepresented groups, doing things that are, by their very nature, representational. But, uh, hi, I'm this, and I'm doing my thing. <laughs> um. <laughs> Okay, okay, um, sort of there. I'll go this way. Yeah, to that uh, point, like, uh, I really like the idea of the women's space, for example. Um, 
I, you know, that's, I think it's a great idea. Uh, and I, from, you know, everything in my understanding is like, uh, there's a lot of obstacles that I'm not aware of and, you know, obstacles that I've been told about um, and uh, that I can't address, right? I can't, like, that a lot of people are invisible to me. And so the women's space is like, uh, it's other people who know what you're going through and, like, can, can actually uh, address that stuff, you know? So, but uh, I want to be an ally, but I have this, like, catch 22 of, like, you know, I, I want to be inclusive, um, but, uh, like, how can I show that, or how can I create that in space? And, like, you know, what can I do? And uh, part of it is just signaling, because no matter how much I say, like, you know, actually, I want to hear your feedback, and, like, I, I want to know about these obstacles, and I want to change. Um, it's, it's, you know, I can't always convey that, right? Because there's, there's an element of trust. So, like, how can I show that or, or signal that? Or uh, how can I get people to, uh, you know, help me help you kind of thing uh, and, and get it going, you know? I, I think you're, you're, you're getting down to one of the biggest things that, um, that kind of a, a, an overarching theme that I get from a lot of discussions on this, on this type of thing. It's all about, it's, it's about communication. Yeah. It's about what do you need? And no, no, if you need to tell me 10 times, please tell me 10 times in 10 different ways because clearly I didn't hear it the first time and I'm still, I still want to hear. Just, just yeah. being very forthright about, about your desire to be, be, be better, to keep growing to, and that kind of thing. So I think that you've already taken the first step. Like when you kind of open yourself up to that, it really changes your energy. And it, it I know that that sounds really like oh, we're gonna we're gonna use some crystals now and stuff too. No, it, but it, it really does kind of open yourself up to inviting those things in. And when you're in a situation, I I know that as humans we're really bad at this, but really just ask, like, what can I do? And it. Again, it sounds really cliche. It starts at home. Uh, there's like this big thing happening in Washington right now. And what I'm seeing um, on the Facebook feeds a lot is men are finally starting to realize, like, okay, it's not enough for me to not be the perpetrator. I have to actually fight. I have to actually, when I see it, I have to call it out. And what I see a lot in the community that is starting to change is if you're at a table and somebody says something sexist, somebody says something racist, xenophobic, transphobic, whatever it is, if nobody says anything, everybody's guilty. So it's really just speaking up. And, you know, to piggyback on that, you know, uh, it is great to ask those questions. Part of what builds trust is track record. And you know that's something that's hard to do starting from zero, but it is. But you know, the more you the more you show that you're not only listening, you're implementing, the more people are going to trust you and talk to you. Uh, it's a big part of it, and you know, making sure you're doing the things like if someone says something terrible at the game table about women, you don't let that slide. And honestly, sometimes it's hard for us to be the ones who say that who say that shouldn't fly because. Of course we would. I, I hate to put it that way, but of course we'd complain. We need someone who's, who doesn't have a vested interest to complain to make it a moral issue, honestly. Uh, we had a question in the back. Oh, I was just going to say, um, I think the best way to you know, support women, people of color, um, LGBT people, et cetera, is to put your money where your mouth is. You know, like actually you know, invest in their content, support their Patreons, support their Kickstarters. Amplify their work, share it. Buy Meltwater at Hollandspiele.com for $35. <laughs> <laughs> and again, and, and not everybody can buy, you know, the Hollandspiele Spiele Meltwater. Right. Right.
people to signal to other people that this is the place that does these things. Um, so, uh, like, I, I I don't advertise a lot of like my personal life. I don't advertise a lot of, of things that maybe I should. Like, you know, most people don't know my background. They don't know who I am and things like that. Um, but it's become important for me to sort of let people know, like, hey, it's cool. Like, it, like we're among you, right? Like, and so, um, I think the line, the question becomes like, at what point is it anger? At what point is it a marketing tactic? Like, so I put on an event, and and the last thing that like I want to create safe spaces, and I want to do these things, and I want to have people, on, but I sort of do it all behind the scenes, and part of the problem is like nobody really knows. Like I have Jamie out doing stuff, and I invite people to do things, and like I do these things because that's sort of what I want. But the last thing that I want to do is, you know, and, and this might be kind of weird for some people, but I don't want to be, you know, a pink ribbon right. where it's a marketing tool. Right. And, and it's because of outwardly appearances, it's like, oh, there's a white guy just trying to make money off of under, underrepresented people, which is totally not the case, right? right? But the perception is always there. So I think, like, what are your guys' take on where it's become pandering and how much is it becoming on underrepresented people? Yeah, um, I'm just gonna have to go with the do what and do what the Chinese do what the Chinese pandas in the zoo won't do and do more panders. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> this thing where people are like, oh, you're pandering. Usually we're not the ones saying that. Okay, mm -hmm. usually that's the white guys. It's true. It's we, true. we everything is pandering because if you're not pandering to us, usually you're pandering to the white guys. So there is, you know. Be visible, whatever. If you lose people, you know, at the same time, part of it is, you know, follow through. If you don't want to look like you're just trying to make a buck off us by selling us a ribbon, t uh, you know, a rainbow T-shirt at Pride to fatten your wallets, you know, do the outreach, do the stuff. You know, if you're doing good work and not just selling me a rainbow taco, uh, you know, if you're doing the work visibly, that's not pandering. That's, well, sure, it's pandering, but it's good pandering. It's allyship. And be fine. Black Panther was called pandering. <laughs> Black Panther was also brilliant, and Black Panther did a Black Panther has done a lot for a lot of people. Wonder Woman was seen as pandering. It did a lot of good for a lot of people. If people call, if people tell you you're pandering, say yes. It's better than pandering to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'd like to hear some more perspectives on that. So I disagree on the Black Panther, Wonder Woman, pandering thing. Um, I don't, I don't see it that way. To this, to 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 your question, um, for me as a uh, person of color, um, and being here and in the larger world, uh, for me as a person of color, um, I hate signaling. I hate the ally term. I hate all those other things. Uh, okay. Because time again, I'm I'm, I'm an old guy. Uh, I've had allies 20 years ago, right? And they disappear to go into silos when, uh, pardon my language, but when this shit hits the fan, um, they disappear, right? They go into their silos, and I'm left out here, right? With wherever else the minorities are that are, that are uh, we're doing the thing. This happened recently. I know it's an elephant in the room, and I won't name names or anything like that. I'm sure you're all on the internet, and you're all aware of different things that happen out there. But it's happened, right? Uh, we had a, uh, I don't think there's a larger community, but we had a conversation going on. Then uh, the shit hits the fan, and everybody goes into their little silos, and the folks that were out here doing stuff, particularly in the indie community, uh, the minorities left, or the others are left uh, out with none of these big silos to go back to. So I would say, um, when shit gets hard, keep stay in there, right? Because I'm gonna be out here, right? Um, I'm going to be doing what I can. Uh, I'll be trying to help with the catastrophe whenever it falls out, right? I could use some help too. Um, don't run back into the silos. Because uh, every time that happens, uh, when you say, I want to be an ally, I'm like, yeah, whatever, because I don't know what that means. It doesn't mean the same thing I, I would like it to mean. Uh, I've got kids too, and we've had, we've had conversations, yeah. right? And they ask, you know, how do I know, right, when uh, my kids are, uh, all three of my kids are biracial. And they ask, you know, how do I know, you know, who to trust or what I, who do I hang out with? Because they get different both sides. They're not black enough, right? And they're not white enough, right? And, uh, and so we're having, I have those conversations, right? And uh, I tell them what my dad tell, told me, and that's you can only judge them by what they do, right? Uh, forget what they say, right? 
watch what they do when the shit hits the fan. That's the only thing that counts. Um, when it's happy and rainbows and sunny, uh, I don't know who you are, right? We've got our easy mask on. Everything's beautiful. Uh, but when it's hard, right, that's who we are when it's hard. So I, I'm taking, keep plugging away when it's hard. That's when it counts. So I've heard it said along those same lines, if if it's not going to cost you some social currency to right. do it, it doesn't have as much value. Right. That, 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 that if it's if it's going to if, if it might cost you a friendship, if it might cost you a job, if it might cost you something, right. that's what that's when it really matters. That's when it matters. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm willing to have ten less people at my event because. You know, I'm saying like this is a, a, you know this is a space where I deliberately want a thing. If you don't like it, that's cool. There are a lot of other places you can go to. But the struggle is, at what point is it like? Um, so I, my name and nothing says anything that I am mostly Mexican. Like I have the whitest name in the world, Jim Miller, right? Right. Um, but uh, like uh, I was telling Mark earlier, uh, I don't speak English to my mom. I'm this color because Spaniards, right? <laughs> like my mom is whiter than I am, and she's from Mexico. It's, you know, her English is terrible. Um, and it's now that I'm like, well, I don't know if I should really, like, is it pandering if I'm saying, like, look, I, I want more, you know, uh, Latinos in my convention. I want more women in my convention. And and the struggle is always, like, at what point is it pandering? At what point is it, like, oh, he's just trying to gather one or two dollars I think if it's coming from a real place when people question it you have an authentic answer and we can feel that right? yes uh, I think if uh, if it's not authentic people can pick up on that yeah if, I, if, I think oh. you're right I think it's absolutely about your intention you're not coming after it for the dollars you're not coming after it to to further yourself obviously we all want our conventions to grow we want our businesses to grow we want to ultimately be financially stable but there's not a lot of that in this industry <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I mean if you're if you're trying to just further your truth and you're bringing people in with the intention of I want more diversity I don't think that that's pandering I'll let you go first and I think in the long run most of us know what's authentic or not um, you know we know what people's end games are for different events. And if we show up and have a great time, then we know that it was genuine. And it's all about that experience, having that great experience. If the place was, if the event was horrible and you know you didn't feel respected or treated well, then we'll know what your bottom line was. And yeah, that, that's all true. The one thing I would like to add is, I just wanted to pick on what, uh, pick up what he said and what you said. You said you're willing to lose 10 more people at the convention. Are you willing to lose 100? Are you willing to lose thousands? Are you willing to have Gamergate protesting outside your door? Are you willing to have the, Are you willing to have people shouting at you, calling you, calling you the worst words you can think of? And you know, at some point, you know, how how far are you gonna? How far will you go for us? Is kind of the and honestly, I'm not even asking you at this point because you are one of us. But <laughs> on not you know, but at the same time, you know, everyone, it's how much you know. How, how deep in the trenches are you willing to go? And that's what we're judging. So we are just about at the end of the time frame right now. I wanted to end with a quotation from a book that I was just rereading. Um, it's called Girls Who Game. And um, Girls Who Game, Girls Who Game. It's, it's a uh, collection of essays from women in tabletop gaming. Um, and the quotation from, it really, really hit, it hit home for me. Um, the last sentence in the essay was, make the kind of heroes you needed when you were 10. I would like to add that and be the kind of heroes that you needed when you were 10. I think that really is kind of what we, what we all needed to do. So representation matters, obviously. Fostering community matters. And just be, be who, you need, who you would have liked to have known when you were 10. Would that, would that, would that have helped? Yeah. Would that, would that have helped? I would, I would even say, um, I'll just, I'm loud. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, think any of us actually needed a microphone. <laughs> We're ta I'm, I'm talking quietly. Listen to the people who Right. So I, uh, I would say even more, if you are out there in a privileged position 
be the person that I needed when I was 10. Be the person that steps up and in those tough times that doesn't walk away when things get ugly and is the rock that holds the line. Be the person that you might have needed when you were 10 instead of, you know, leaving all that work up to us. Yep. Nice. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming. We really, again, appreciate your time, appreciate your participation. And again, you guys are awesome. (laughs) You're awesome. Thank you. Hey everybody, before we wrap up this episode, I'd like to take a minute to say thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying the podcast from our interviews and actual plays to our rambling roundtable discussions. If you like what you're here and you'd like to support the show, we have two great sponsors for you to check out. Birds of a Feather Coffee Company is a small batch craft coffee roaster and is our OG sponsor. They have three signature blends to choose from. The Morning Lark, which is a light roast. The Night Owl Blend, which is a rich, dark roast, and the Hummingbird Decaf Blend. They also have the exclusive Legendary Brew, a nice medium roast coffee, perfect fuel for all those late night gaming sessions. If you use the code LEGENDS10, you'll get 10% off your order, and shipping is always free. Our new sponsor is Thing12 Games. Thing12 Games is an independent board game publishing and development company. They are the creators of the award-winning Dice Of series in the arena of pocket tin dice games. Currently available are both Dice of Crowns, where you roll dice, backstab your friends, and try to claim the royal crown. And Dice of Pirates, where you play as a pirate captain, rolling them bones, fighting your mates, and claiming the booty all for yourself. Click Click Boom! is a tension-filled social deduction card game full of clicks, bluffs, and booms. Their latest offering is Seals of Cthulhu, a strategic bidding and bluffing card game set within a Cthulian universe where two players battle for the fate of the world. They are also offering both Alhaka and Project Dreamscape by Sarah and Will Reed, and if you order through their website, you can use code LEGENDS10 and you'll receive 10% off your order. Thanks everybody for checking it out. We'll catch you next time. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop Broadcast Network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.